This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of four, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 29. We're in our main segment. We'll be interviewing, or Sarah will be interviewing Meredith Vodgas. We had an unfortunate unfortunate uh, technical difficulty with me. But uh, before we talk to her, we wanted to talk about magazines in general, because I think both of us read a ton of magazines. Like, how many do you guys get at your... We, I think we've actually reduced it over the past couple of years, but I still, there's some little spark of joy that I get when they come in the mail. So I hesitate to get rid of all of them. Maybe that's like the one thing that makes mail kind of pleasant yeah, to get. So I don't want to get rid of them completely. So we get real simple. We get the Atlantic, which I was actually reading a lot of it, but now I've been reading more books. So I haven't been reading as much of it. We get running magazines, including Runner's World and Women's Running. And the other main genre is cooking magazines, because I actually really do use a lot of recipes from Cooking Light and lately Milk Street, Milk Street. which is a really, it's a really pretty, it's like so well-designed. It's by Christopher Kimball, who used to write Cooks Illustrated or edit Cooks Illustrated. And they have really good recipes. And if you look at it, like it just, it, 
they, they're like on the forefront of like magazine layout and design. Yeah. <laughs> it's very pretty. I mean, that's always the part I love, right? It's like you're looking at the pretty pictures and, and magazines are, are just so cheap. Like you can always get these deals for like a dollar an issue or something like that. And so. Yeah. A lot of times on Amazon, at least when you do the first year and then you'll get a, it'll, they'll try to make you renew it for higher, but you can just not do it. And then, then they send you it. a new one. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I read a lot of the same ones too. I have a runner's world. I, I just wrote down women's running cause I didn't even know that was a thing. Like I'm going to have to subscribe now. And, uh, you know, Oh, magazine, I read the oxygen. Have you ever heard of oxygen? I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. What is someone like? So it's like, it's women's, but it's more um, like bodybuilding fitness almost. So I like it more for just reading about the strength workouts and you know, exercise from the perspective of people being real athletes. Because um, I feel like sometimes women's magazines approach exercise as something you either just have to do, or it's going to help you lose weight or something like that. And, you know, it's kind of fun to read about it from a different angle. Like when people are actually like, well, I want to make my triceps a little bit bigger because they're under versus this other muscle group. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's kind of cool. Also surprisingly into Martha Stewart living. Do you read that? I sometimes, I think I've flipped through it when I'm at my mother-in-law's house and it is, it is, that is another just visually stunning magazine. Visually stunning. And they have some really good stuff in it too. I mean, I just, I, I saved the Christmas issue. I, I like Christmas issues of magazines in general, but like this one had, you know, the party at Martha Stewart's house, like her Bedford farm, <laughs> like just talking about like they greeted people on the porch with cold oysters. <laughs> I was just like, Oh, See, I love it. See, that's the thing about magazines that I do like. They're all, they're all about the fantasy the self, fantasy. right? Like it's not, you know, it's not like, I mean, even magazines like Real Simple who purport to, you know, target maybe my demographic. I still look at the fashion pages and I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. I would never buy that entire outfit, whatever. But there's something about, I don't know, the fantasy self channeled through these different <laughs> genres that is fun and they're totally fun to get in the mail. Maybe. So I'm not ready to get them in virtual yeah, form like they I need to be paper at some point i will be the woman wearing linen pants or i will be the someone who's <laughs> exactly. either, either serving oysters on the cold porch for my christmas party or i will be invited to martha stewart's christmas party and be on and the you'll, be, you'll be wearing linen pants wearing you're... my linen pants and that will just be awesome um, i would show one at one other small magazine thing it's probably the most expensive magazine we get but it's brought a lot of joy to our lives we subscribe to something called baby bug which is from Cricket Media, and it's aimed at literally two to five-year-olds. And it's very short, but it's really well put together, like a bunch of little short reading things and cool pictures. And my daughter, we started subscribing when she was two, and she still likes it now when she's six. I mean, she, it's definitely under her age, and it should be for my littlest son, I mean, at this point, he should be the one reading it, but he doesn't like to sit still for this kind of thing. And so I think it may be a little bit more little girl oriented, but it's been really cool. We've, we've subscribed for a long time and really love it. So I'll throw a shout out to that one. Cool. We actually do high five from, from highlights. Okay. All right. I will, I'll I will check, check that one out too. Cool. Well, this segment is right on the theme of what we just talked about. I've actually not flipped through Working Mother magazine yet, but it is absolutely on my list. Um, and we had a great conversation with Meredith Bogus, and I hope you enjoy it. 
So we'd like to welcome Meredith Bodgas to our show. She is the editor-in-chief of Working Mother Magazine, and we are thrilled to have her today. Laura is going to jump in and out as we are currently having some of our first real technical difficulties on this podcast. I'm actually shocked it took 29 episodes for us to get there, but she hopefully will be able to bounce in and out as she can. So thank you so much, Meredith, for coming on. Do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. So as you said, I am Meredith Bodgas. I am the editor editor-in-chief of Working Mother Magazine and WorkingMother.com. I am a New York native, and I still live here, and I have a three-and-a-half-year-old and a baby Jew any moment. Like literally any moment. <laughs> yeah, like he, like we just got back from the doctor, and he's already seven pounds, so this could make for a very interesting podcast today. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be incredibly um eventful. <laughs> so assuming that doesn't happen, we're, we're very excited to hear more from you. Tell us a little bit about, I mean, you're, you've been a working mother for about four years now, but you obviously weren't always um, in your current position at the magazine. So how did you get to where you are right now? Sure. So I've been a working mother for about a year, and I have been a working mother for almost four years. And I actually found this job online. They posted for the position and I had been working in uh, online editorial for women's magazines. I had always been interested in parenting issues and work issues. So when I saw this job, it was actually, I applied to it the night of the presidential election as um, it, as we found out who was probably going to be president. I, <laughs> wow. I wrote a cover letter. I knew that the next year to four years were going to be very important for women. And I wanted to play a bigger role in that. So when I saw that Working Mother was looking for an editor, I sent a cover letter that night. And um, I was very lucky to hear back very shortly after and even luckier that it all worked out. That is an amazing story. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so you have been a working mother the entire time that you've been there. Um, it sounds yeah. like since you started, you know, after the election, do you feel like your own experiences inform, you know, your editorial content or also your experiences growing up? Did your mother work? Yes. My mom was a working mother and actually her mom was a working mother too. And those experiences, in addition to what I'm going through now as a working mother of a preschooler and a pregnant working mother, they absolutely inform all the editorial. I write about two stories a week that are just my perspective and they tend to resonate really well with our audience because they're going through it too. For instance, I just wrote about how I've been working from home more lately because I'm, you know, nine months pregnant and I haven't been feeling that well. And also, you know, between snow and my son having a virus, there just hasn't been many opportunities to get to the office. But it turns out I'm way more productive on those days. And anyone who works from home on a regular basis would probably say the same thing. And I detailed just what my day looks like because I don't have to commute into Manhattan from my house in Long Island, I have more time to do work. I don't have to um, spend more time getting to the office and dropping off my son at daycare earlier and picking him up later. So I can spend more time in front of my computer. And I think that idea was just something that 
people who work from home are like, yes, I wish more people who don't work from home recognize that about us, that we are working just as hard, if not harder, on the days that we're not in the office. So those are the kinds of things that are happening in my life that are also informing what I do for WorkingMother.com and the magazine. That's so cool. I will tell you, it is my dream to work from home and it will, I don't think it will ever happen. It's very hard in medicine. I'm sorry. Although there is some trend towards telemedicine, so you never know. I actually, I, you know, I, I think about it and I'm like, I actually could do a lot of this through FaceTime. So maybe you never oh, know yeah. in 10 years or and so. Sneak peek at our next issue, we actually looked at some of the um, apps that offer telemedicine and we had real moms test them out. So you can find out which of these apps are um, working moms are just <gasps> loving to use instead of going to the doctor's office. Oh, that is so cool. So I'm Don't in- never say yeah. never. <laughs> no, because I'm in pediatric endocrinology and we have some patients, like specifically our diabetes patients, where you know we see them at least every three months, but not every visit really needs to be face-to-face and it does get very disruptive for them. So yes, I love that, that people are kind of getting more accepting of medicine going in that direction. Um, okay. So sorry to digress. Your readership is probably getting younger, I'm guessing. Are, are you a millennial? <laughs> I, yes, technically I am a millennial. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm an older millennial, but I am a millennial. <laughs> and yeah, awesome. more millennials are having babies and climbing the ranks in the corporate world. So yeah, we are seeing more millennials in our audience. What do you feel like, do you feel like there are any sort of prevailing trends given that in parenting? I've read a lot about how, you know, 30 years ago, we actually spend a lot more time helicoptering and intensely parenting compared to maybe the prior generation. Do you think the millennials are swinging the other way or is it just intensifying? Like, what do you see the the next trend there? I think it's intensifying because I think there is a new kind of mommy guilt that happens with millennials, especially because we're so connected to the office at all times. You know, you, you shut off your phone, someone can still send you an email and you can look at it on your computer. You're never really disconnected. And because of that, we feel like we have to put in more FaceTime with our children. And, you know, it's not a, it's not a bad thing, but I think we, focus so much on are we having meaningful meaningful interactions with our children because we're also sometimes getting distracted by what's happening at work on our phones at all hours. So I would say it's intensifying, but um, at the same time, we're more likely to be working parents than previous generations. So we do spend time away from our children. But that's why I think when we're with our children, we are with them. We are paying attention. We are doing things together. So I would say it's going in that direction. I think that's actually, I mean, for me, I feel much better doing less, you know, the multitasking putting that aside and really trying to be present when I'm present. And, but it, it is really hard in today's climate when you're likely to get a text message from work while you're with your kids. Do you find that there are any good solutions there? What I like to think of is prioritizing. You know, if my, if my son is sick, if he is just not being himself and he really needs me, Unless, you know, unless workingmother.com has blown up or been taken over by, you know, like some crazy hacker site, I probably am going to put my phone down and not really look at it until I feel like my son is in a good place and and vice versa. If my work really needs my attention and my son's doing just fine, then that's what's going to get my attention. So it's not about choosing 
which is your priority all the time. It's about picking what's the priority at that moment. So it's always going to just depend on who needs you more. And then you have to make that decision. Okay, I'm going to be putting my all putting my all into either work or my child or my husband. Let's not forget about them um, and, and our homes. It's just a matter of figuring out what is the most pressing thing at that moment. I think that's great. And I like that. And I, I also feel like, you know, that's where people do get stuck in that all or nothing conundrum. And that can interfere with our ability to really push in our careers the way we want to. And yet men don't necessarily come up yeah. against the same kind of challenges. So I really like that. Turn towards whatever needs you at that time, do your best. And you know, then you Keep going. Keep going. Exactly. So, okay. Our listeners love logistics. Every time we have somebody come on, um, we get a lot of positive feedback when we can hear what happens with childcare and what happens with outsourcing and what happens with your, you know, even home chores sure. and stuff. How do you guys run things? Can you do sort of a day in the life? Absolutely. Kind of a, well, I will, I will put it by saying my house is always a mess. That is the truth. <laughs> um, because even finding... A house cleaner takes some time. You know, you have to research, make sure they're well-reviewed, and then call them and schedule appointments. So I have just decided my house is always going to be a mess, and I'm okay with that. We don't entertain very often, and maybe I'll feel different when my ch children are older. But for now, my house is a mess. But day in the life, um, usually wake up between 6 and 6.30. I will often shower, I often because sometimes it doesn't happen, uh, and then I get my son ready. I wake him up, I get, I feed him breakfast, I get him dressed, and at this time my husband's usually showering, and by the time my husband comes downstairs, it's time to get going. So um, he will help me do the final preparations for my son. He actually will set things up. The night before, you know, get his snack and lunch ready of the night before, make sure his backpack is packed and in the morning so we can just grab his backpack and get in the car to drive to daycare. In nicer weather, we'll walk to daycare. And when I'm not nine months pregnant, we'll walk to daycare. It's only about 10 minutes from our house. And that was an intentional decision because parking near our train station and where the daycare is, is next to impossible. So we wanted to minimize the amount of hiccups we would have every morning, knowing that every morning would be hectic. So um, we try to walk, but lately we've been driving and my husband just praise for a parking spot while I bring my Sunday care. Um, I'll check him in and then that's, that's anywhere between a two and five minute process. <laughs> Sometimes it's closer to 10 minutes if he's feeling a little bit clingy. Uh, and then I walk across the street and get on the train. My commute is about um, on the train. It's about 45 minutes door to door. It's about an hour, 10 hour, 15. And once I'm in the city, it's about a 15-minute walk to my office, although lately I've been taking the bus because I can't walk so well at nine months pregnant. And I'm I'm a nine-to-fiver. I will, um, you know, I have a lot of meetings during the day, which do take up a lot of the time I should be doing other things. So when I'm on the train, I'm working. In the morning, I'm searching for news stories that we should be reporting on for the rest of the day. And in the afternoon, I might be writing a story for the next day or reviewing members of my team stories, editing their stories, and looking at promos that we have to put out on Facebook to get people who follow us on Facebook to click back to our site and read our stories. Um, and getting home is another, it's like the reverse of the morning. I walk across the street to my son's daycare. I pick him up and bring him to the car, which my husband has hopefully retrieved quickly. And then um, 
we head home and we start the dinner rush immediately. You know, we tend not to cook anything complicated. And some days we tend not to cook at all. Um, there's, there are a lot of breakfast for dinner nights, uh, a lot of ordering in going on and um, ordering in a lot of food. So it lasts for two or three days is, is something I like to do. Um, and then by 845, my son, my husband will give my son a bath. That's usually my time to just sit still and decompress because I usually feel so exhausted. Um, and I will go to sleep you know, lately it's been, it's been later, but in the middle of my pregnancy, I was out cold by like nine 30. Oh my gosh. And you do it all again the next day. (laughs) That was me every single night. (laughs) Actually, that's kind of me anyway, but really during pregnancy, (laughs) especially, how do you think you're going to change things around? Um, once you have your baby and, and to segue, we'd really like to talk a little bit about, you know, trends in maternity leaves. What kind of leave are you planning on taking? Oh, that is an excellent question. It is it is up in, to be perfectly honest, it's up in the air right now. We at my company are in the process of looking at what our current policy is and how it can be more competitive with um, true other magazine publishers, other digital publishers, and just what's going on with the country right now. Everyone is offering better parental, I shouldn't say everyone, many companies are offering <laughs> better parental leave and it's, it's high time for it. So, I mean, when, when the baby comes, I will definitely be home for at least 12 weeks. I'm hoping to take a little bit more than that just because last time at 12 weeks, I was not ready to go back. You know, my son was a horrible sleeper. He didn't sleep through the night until he was almost two years old <gasps> and he, yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> this is why I'm so exhausted. I'm still catching up on all that sleep. Um, he, at three months, forget it. He was waking up three, four times a night. So I was physically and mentally exhausted when I had to return to work. And, you know, as much as I tried my best, of course, because my, my job is always so important to me, it's very difficult to give your best when you are so sleep deprived. So um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping this little guy will be a better sleeper, but you just never know. Um, I am hoping that, you know, even if it's unpaid, which it likely will be, I can take a little bit more time at home just to get him in a routine and to get myself readjusted to the work world. And there might even be some, some part-time work going on in between as I get back into the swing of things. That's, that's what I'm hoping for. It's all being worked out. And I know I'm on quite the deadline. I'm literally a ticking time bomb. But um, luckily, I have a very understanding manager who is willing to work with me. And my philosophy is just be honest, because if I'm not going to be doing what needs to be done, and we could have somebody who is not sleep deprived doing what needs to be done, that's probably going to be better for the site in the magazine. So um, that is that is the the plan, even though it's not very set in stone. But once we're once I am back at work full time, I will need to be probably getting up a lot earlier to either to nurse my son or prepare bottles for daycare, um, or to pump, there's just there's a lot that's up in the air. I have to, I have to meet this kid to know what he's like, and then we'll um, settle into some routines. But yeah, it's, um, it's going to be a big learning curve for me because I've only had one child for almost four years. I am so hoping that this one sleeps better for you Thank because you. it really does make all the difference. It's almost like there should be some policy where they audit your kid's sleep and they let you go back when they're sleeping a certain number. I totally of agree. Like I would be happy to, you know, 
hook my child up to any device that monitors that to prove he's really not sleeping. I'm not making this up. Um, but yes, you know, I, everyone who knows what I went through with my first, who's a wonderful child. I love my son, Jeremy. He just didn't sleep. So everyone who knows him is, has their fingers crossed that our next one is a bit um, more sleep, a bit sleepier. So I want to hear more about the trends because I am in healthcare, which is not unfortunately a place that the trends have reached. I don't know a single friend working for any hospital, academic or private, that has ever been offered really any paid leave. Um, oh, generally, geez. we're expected to use our vacation time, which is fine. And you know, you can use FMLA if you work for a bigger organization. Yeah. People who work for a small private, which which I have been lucky to do, um, people who work for a small private group sometimes are pressured to take very short leaves because the groups aren't big enough for FMLA to take effect. So they're sort of pressured into like, well, we're not going to deal with your patients, so you better be back in five weeks or six weeks. So, you know, healthcare is one thing, but if is the rest of the country you feel like is moving in a positive direction and who's leading the charge? Is it like Silicon <laughs> it, Valley? It is. It, it really is. I mean, they have, uh, the tech companies have their own culture problems, but what they lack in, um, you know, paying women fairly and making sure that the culture is free of sexual harassment, they do make up for it in their very generous family leave policies. Uh, so first I just want to address that. I'm so sorry that it's, it's the leave isn't, happening as it should be in healthcare. I will say at the Working Mother 100 Best Companies, we do have a couple of um, nonprofit hospitals who tend to make the list every year, but I fully recognize that not every employee can be given the kind of generous leave. You know, there's a very big difference between working in the office and being the person who's seeing patients. I still hope that these hospitals and other kinds of employers where it's essential that people always be there, um, come up with some solutions because leave is so critical to, I mean, I don't, I don't need to tell you this, so critical to just baby bonding and um, parents feeling happy <laughs> and wanting to come back to work. When you're, when you're denied that privilege, you, you know, you resent what you do. Um, but yes, I would say the tech companies are leading the charge. We've got Netflix offering, they, you know, up to a year. They say unlimited, but it sounds like employees tend to take as much as a year. Um, Etsy and um, Google, they're, they're at six months. There are so many companies. Facebook also, I think, at six months. Sorry, Google might get 20-something 20, 20 weeks, 20, yeah. Um, but they're all significantly over what FMLA offers, which is 12 weeks. And FMLA, as you know, is unpaid, whereas these companies are paying their, their employees, and most of them are paying them their full salaries. Right. I'll also say that leading the charge are some progressive states. So there are state policies now in California, Rhode Island, New Jersey, and New York just went into effect January 1st. Yes, I did hear about that. I'll be I'll be very interested. And that is where, you know, once there's actual mandated policies, then that actually is what I'm thinking my friends in healthcare might may finally be able to reap some benefit. Although I know it's like it's it's some fraction of your salary is covered. But hey, at exactly. least your job is safe and um Yes. Yeah, so in, in New York, the policy is going to improve each year. So right now it's 
Uh, it's 50% of your salary up to the median salary in New York, which I believe is about 70, 70,000, 75,000. Um, and it's for eight weeks. And then it's going to become next year, it'll be 55%. And I think when it's all said and done, it'll be it'll be even higher than that. And, um, you know, of course, we'd all like to keep our entire salary. But it's like you said, job protected leave and getting some money in when you could really use it. I mean, for me, I plan on keeping my my son who's out of the womb already i want his routine to stay the same i want him to keep going to preschool that costs money if my salary is reduced i'm tapping into my savings to pay for that um so it's so important that companies and states and hope with any luck the country recognizes it's a real struggle just to bring a child into the world and make ends meet um, and luckily this is a national conversation now you know for the first time you know back in the 2016 election both parties were talking about paid family leave. That's historic. That hasn't happened before. And even with Donald Trump's State of the Union speech, he brought it up again. So it's not a dead issue. I was concerned that, okay, Ivanka tried. It's not happening. But he mentions it again. So fingers crossed that there is going to be something on the table. At Working Mother, we really support the Family Act, which is uh, co-sponsored by Kirsten Gillibrand and uh, Rose DeLauro. And that guarantees more paid leave than FMLA, which is actually turning 25 tomorrow. FMLA has been around for 25 years, but it's not paid leave. And this country is ready for paid leave like the rest of the world. world. <laughs> One last question, because I don't want to keep you for too long. But do you see, speaking of the rest of the world, um, I know that in certain countries, in Europe especially, there are some policies in effect to encourage men to take more leave to kind of set the groundwork for them to be an active parent from, you know, day zero um, of the baby's life. Do you see any trends towards that in the U.S. as well? Like, has, is Google offering fathers good packages too? So the trend right now is gender neutral family leave. It doesn't matter. It sh it, and I agree. It shouldn't matter how you welcome your baby or who is the person that is welcoming the baby. A baby is a baby and takes a lot of work until we start saying to moms and dads that their value doing childcare is worth it to us, then men aren't going to take that leave. They're going to think, oh, I should be at work. You know, it's important for me. You know, women should be the ones at home taking maternity leave and doing the childcare work. No, it needs to be an equal effort on both parts. Otherwise, you know, who gets bogged down? The moms, as usual. Um, but yes, we are seeing way more gender neutral policies. Moms and dads are getting the same amount of leave and the same percentage paid at more and more companies. Um, it's not perfect yet. You know, it's still maternity leave is still more likely to exist and be taken by moms than paternity leave. But more companies are recognizing that dads want this too. Dads need to be at home helping the moms and they're making it happen. And the other trend is they're extending those benefits to couples, to people who are welcoming children through adoption, through fostering, or through gestational surrogate. And I fully support that. Kids are kids no matter how they're brought into this world. I agree. That is awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I wish Laura's um, – Laura, can you hear us now? I want to say anything? <laughs> Just a little bit. I'll say thank you very much, Meredith, for, for doing this. We really appreciate hearing from you. And uh, we wish you the best of luck on welcoming number two into your family. Oh, I'm going to need it. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me.
Well, welcome to our Q&A segment. This is Laura, and I'm back after my horrible technical difficulties. So I'm excited about this awesome interview that Sarah did, and I wish I could have been a part of it, but was not. Sorry about that. So yeah, our Q&A, we got a wonderful question, a very, a very thought-provoking question from a woman who had listened to our podcast a few weeks ago and, and wanted to write us about something she'd heard. So she says, disclaimer, I know this is sensitive, written with curiosity and no judgment, which is how we interpret letters in general. So thank you for that. But she says, I'm a big fan of your podcast. I've been reading Sarah's blog for years because she's a big planner fan. She's married and working in the technology space in a very demanding role. She was already, this is, she wrote this in January and she was in China for her second business trip there of the calendar year. She says, I'm 30 and I'm struggling with the decision of whether to have children or not. I just listened to your podcast on friendship. At the end, you discussed how to spend winter days with children. I found your responses of, and sort of paraphrasing here, remember that you're just trying to get through the time. Once you fill the two time spots, it's dinner time and bedtime, you repeat on Sunday, and then the weekend is over. I found this unsettling. I absolutely don't want you to sugarcoat anything, and I'm sure that most mothers were able to relate to this and take away some pointers. That said, it really made me consider if that is how I want to spend my weekends. Is it really worth it? And she means by this, is it worth it to have kids? Uh, currently, I look forward to my weekends with my husband. We have adventures and plans, and I always wish my weekends were longer, never shorter. So she's asking us about this. You know, obviously, we can't tell her whether to have kids or not or anything about that. And it's very hard to convey the joy that children bring. But she's wondering if others heard that of our trying to get through the weekends and planning our weekends with something of an eye to fill the time and what we thought about that. So Sarah, what did what did you want to say on that one? Yeah, so much to say on that one. I thought it was a great question and brought up a really interesting point, made me think about how we talked about it. But I, I sort of stand behind, I do stand behind um, how we framed it because sometimes the day-to-day -day of raising young kids can be very, very hard. Um, it's just a really, I guess, expensive is the right word, um, thing to do in terms of both your time and your finances. But in, at least in my case, I found that number one, the joy has outweighed um, the tough times and it's like a deep kind of joy. And number two, for at least some of us, and I know that's not all of us, and it may not apply to the person who wrote in here, but there was a primal call towards having children. Like I could not have been happy. Um, well, I probably would have found a way to be happy, but I would have tried very, very hard. And I did try pretty hard, actually, if I had not, you know, to have kids and to have a family. So there are definitely people and I have many friends, actually, who are child free and really happy with that. So I know it's not for everybody. But just because there are some tough weekends and there will be, to me, doesn't in any way make me wonder if I made the right decision. Like there was no other decision I could have made that would have made any sense to me at the time or would make sense to me now. With that said, you know, even though the overall weekends are hard, there are definitely slices of joy. So even if you're trying to kind of fill up the time, and I do feel like I have more fun during the weekend if I've thought about how to quote unquote fill up the time, um, there are still these beautiful moments. And I feel like as a, as an, as sort of a reward for maybe feeling more like some of my weekends are work than a child-free friend, um, I feel like I've grown in ways that non-parents probably don't ever get to understand. Now, maybe they're growing in ways that I will never get to understand, like they're able to you know, read more or have more exotic adventures, and that's fine. But I find my own depth that I've gained upon having kids and growing a family um, to be a privilege. So I guess I would say, yes, 
Sometimes wishing weekends are shorter is a reality for some of us with kids. I'm not going to sugarcoat with that. Sometimes I am so happy to be at work on Monday knowing that my nanny is taking care of the kids and that they're going to school and that I'm not thinking about them at all. Really, I'm thinking adult thoughts and, and doing adult things. But at the same time, um, it, there's, a, there's a, a beauty in the struggle, I guess. And I do think that the older the kids have gotten, the less that I find that getting through feeling to be there. So in some ways, I would say the getting through applies more to the toddler years, which are short. Once they are, you know, close to, some people say survive until five, but close to school age, I don't find as much of that to be the case. And maybe that's just my own preference. Um but that's kind of how it's been with me. In fact, I would say right now the most challenging is my middle because my younger is extremely cuddly and fun and easy. And my older is really at a place where I think I'm getting away from that getting through feeling. Like we can have real conversations and do real things and she doesn't require, you know, moment to moment hands-on care. So I guess in summary, um, I stand by what we say. I think it's temporary. For me, it's been 100% worth it. And it's almost like I couldn't have asked the question to begin with because I just knew what I wanted one way or the other. Um, And I hope this helps. Um, You absolutely don't have to have kids either. I think it's wonderful that you're, you know, really thinking through it one way or the other. But I I do feel like if you feel biologically drawn to it or you can't get it out of your mind or feel like you'd regret not doing it, then I think you can move forward without too much fear. Yeah. I would also say that there are sort of practical things. I love Sarah's answer. I mean, that was a great um, answer she had there. Um, there's also sort of practical things that you can do to keep some of that feeling about the weekend um, being more for relaxing, even if you do have very young kids. Um, I think part of what she's saying is, you know, she's being sent to China all the time here. There's jet lag. She's like sleeping off on the weekend. So the idea of being on all weekend is is pretty hard for her here. Um There are things to think about here, which is that if her role is taking her to China all the time, like multiple times per month, I'm hoping she is decently compensated in return, right? And and my guess, given that many women wind up with um, partners who are sort of similarly professional, you know, if her husband is also like equally well compensated, we are not talking like a low income family here. Like I'm guessing these two people have pretty high end jobs. Yeah, I I think that's fair. Multiple business trips to China. Yeah. (laughs) And so they have the resources to help with that. And I have some friends who made a decision, um, both with very intense jobs, that they actually wound up hiring a second full-time nanny who works on the weekends. And this person reports to work Friday night at 8 p.m. and works till Sunday at about 2 p.m., which if you do the math, that's that's around, you know, 42 hours or so. I'm not thinking through it right now, but, you know, it's just slightly over 40 hours. So it's a it's a full-time job. Um, she is on overnight for those two nights, right? Um, she, so she's basically there the weekend from 8 p.m. Friday to 2 p.m. on Sunday. So they can sleep. So they can, um, you know, go out as a couple Friday and Saturday night. They also have a, a fair number of children. So it's also part about having someone there to take the younger children so that they can take the older kids to stuff. Um, so they can go to sports events or practices or birthday parties with older kids without having to drag a little one along, which the little one is, again, as we talked about, the one who can make it more difficult and more feeling like you're trying to get through the weekend. Um, so Absolutely. They, yeah, they wind up spending a fair amount of time with their kids, but they don't have all the harsh downsides of it. Like if one of them wants to go to the gym, it's not, you know, begging the other one to take it, even though the other one's pissed off because you were in China all week. Like you don't have that same tension. Um, So I would say for them, they might also think about how they could use their resources um, strategically 
to make that possible. And even if you don't have the full-time weekend nanny, just having some hours of childcare on the weekend go, go a long way toward making you feel like you can still relax and you're good. Well, anyway, those have been our answers. <laughs> we have pause there. Do we both think about this? <laughs> um, but this has been Best of Both Worlds. This is episode 29. We'll be back next week with more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.